If you've been plagued by mystical occurrences like these, then you should know that help is just a phone call away. So the next time your household's been hexed, if you're marooned by magic, if Red Dormammu's got you down, remember, Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, just call this troll-free number 1-800-STRANGE. That's 1-800-S-T-R-A-N-G-E. Operators are standing by. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 46th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. Aw, jeez, buddy. It's been over a year since our last episode. It's actually it's been exactly a year since our last episode. Yeah, way more probably because of when we're gonna because of, of when I'm gonna post this. Jeez, what have uh, what, what have you been up to, man? I had I did a lot of things. I moved across I moved across the country. I got a new job. I did like a hundred episodes of Space Spinner two thousand. I got a lot going on. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been having a, a mild career as a folk music star. Nice. I, I may or not may not be joking, and guess what, audience? You'll never know. Oh, come on. I feel like if you're a big folk star, then you should go to your folk events and tell people to listen to our podcast at the very least. That's what we call synergy. I mean, <laughs> listen, man, there's a lot of crossover in that audience. I feel like... Feel I feel like there's there's a non-zero amount of uh, Doctor Strange and folk crossover. Oh, there <laughs> absolutely there absolutely is. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, and what better way to do it than by uh, whatever doing it with the podcast? Anyhow, as always, you can find this show on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher. Or in any fine podcast app, you can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Anyhow, so with that said, Drew, let's get back to these comics after such a long absence. Oh, man, oh, man. comic I'm time. I'm so ready for it, but I should probably stretch first, but let's let's get into this. That's right. Let's get started with our first comic. It's Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme 23 from November 1990. Uh, this one's called Mondo Mordo, written by Roy and Dan Thomas, Jackson Guise uh, artist, Mark McKenna inker, Pat Brousseau letterer, George Russo's colorist, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, oh man, it's oh man, we left on a crazy cliffhanger. Drew, good, good place to finish before taking a year off. Absolutely, <laughs> I was about you tell me more about it because yeah. I definitely have not forgotten. Well, you know, Dormammu was basically taken over Earth. He had a period of time completely possessing the body of Doctor Strange, which is pretty cool. We got a flame-headed Doctor Strange and stuff. He's overthrown Clea as ruler of the Dark Dimension. He, We finished last episode with him cursing Clea and Doctor Strange that they would be occupying the same space at the same time which basically led to a half gross half has a half awesome image of like each one's mouth being full of the face of the other and then that mouth and then that face's mouth having the other one inside and they just became like a gross like clay a doctor strange turducken kind of thing it was pretty cool it was a nightmare <laughs> of horrors yeah it was it was bad also uh umar showed up who is of course um dormammu's sister and clay's mother and a previous ruler of the dark dimension and she sort of tried to first you know do her usual thing where first she teams up with with dormammu and then she betrays the and then she betrays him but dormammu had her scouted this time and instead banished her 
her to um, parts unknown, you know, where McFoley comes from. Uh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> also at the very end of the episode, uh, Dr. Strange's assistant, Sarah Wolf went to free uh, Baron Mordo, Dr. Strange's longtime enemy, of course, who had been captured in basically like a closet with some magical laser bars, essentially. <laughs> um, I distinctly remember, like, mo- saying multiple times, don't do not do this, Sarah. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. God, don't do this. He was obviously going to immediately betray her, and when she freed him, he immediately betrayed her, locking her in the... Uh, in the magic laser uh, 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 closet. <laughs> Surprising absolutely everyone. Indeed. So we pick up, Drew. We start this comic. Um, two months after the last one, or perhaps a year after the last one. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe, say? Or maybe you're listening to this podcast many years from now, and there's just been a week, and you're wondering what we're all babbling about. If why, so... Why are they talking about being away for a year? I've yeah. only been, like, listening... What? What? I envy you, future listener. Anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we pick up with Umar having been banished to a weird cosmic realm full of like eyes that can see through her assumed human form into her crazy phalatine form, which is kind of, we learned in the previous episode, it kind of looks like a Dormammu head with kind of like an energy manta on the back of it, essentially. <laughs> um, anyhow, they can see her back there. Right. In this mystical, in this new mystical realm, uh, Umar finds that she's not alone. And in fact, the gross cursed Clea and Doctor Strange are here as well. Um, because, um, Umar feels sort of pity for her daughter, although, you know, not a ton of like familial connection. Cause I guess she just found out that Clea was her daughter like mere minutes ago, essentially. <laughs> Um, she does basically, uh, immediately free them from the curse, which is nice. And, um, then we get some quick recap of basically just of the previous situation. And then also of like how Clea and Stranger married and stuff. And then she scrams, leaving our couple to return to Earth to find uh, Sarah trapped in Mordo's former prison, and then Mordo on the roof of the Sanctum Sanctorum fighting the invading Dormammu for control of Earth. It's cool. <laughs> um, this is not going to work out well for either one of them. Just going to throw that out there. It's just def- a guess. Yeah, just it's, a guess. it's definitely not going well for Mordo. Like he's based like Dormammu sort of turned the sky black and is coming through with all these like space tentacles and things like that. Um, <laughs> Mordo's beating him off, and Dormammu's basically given the like, "Hey, like I actually felt that" sort of responses, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is like Mordo takes way more seriously than he basically should be, but um, whatever. I mean, um, it's Mordo. He's yeah. He's he's dude's dude's been through a lot. He's not quite all there anymore. He's definitely got the megalomaniacal uh, uh, stuff going on. Um, Dormammu offers Mord uh, or yeah, Dormammu offers Mordo basically the Earth if uh, he gives up, but. Mordo is not uh, taking it. He's been Dormammu's slave and servant before and is not eager to go back. He says that uh, now you should, that everyone should stop calling Earth Earth and start calling it a Mondo Mordo. Which That's a terrible name. Means Mordo's, or or Mundo Mordo, I should say. Oh, no, no, it's Mondo. Yeah, which means uh, Mordo's world in Italian. 
which is a weird language choice, I guess, just because Mordo is like Transylvanian. So you'd think it'd be in, I guess, whatever they speak in Transylvania. <laughs> Listen, as a as a planet naming expert, a title conferred unto me by the dozens of hours of No Man's Sky I've been playing. All right. You don't that gonna, is a terrible name for a planet. You aren't going to name all your planets Mondo uh, uh, Mondo Druo now? Because I feel like Although that's I a pretty now. solid thing. You got to do that, one. Actually, no, that's good. That might yeah. be good. Mondo Drew. <laughs> Look for it in game, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, Dorm, uh, after the, after the, this big speech, Dormammu just swats him aside, essentially. Um, but... Um, yeah, Doctor Strange and Clea secure secure Mordo in the uh, Crimson Mans of Sidorak, and then fly up and uh, attack the giant Dormammu head on. The fight's going pretty bad, <laughs> you know. Um, we're sort of in one of these very wordy, like Roy Thomas Doctor Strange fights, where you know everybody makes a move and does it says a paragraph as they do it and stuff. Um, luckily, it seems as though, though eventually Strange and Clay are able to, if not get the upper hand, then by sacrificing their magical defenses, they're able to meet Dormammu in equal strength and have him sort of on the back foot. And things look like they could win when suddenly they're both hit by energy blasts from behind. Cause it's oh, that no. double cross in Mordo. Because when Strange was using his maximum powers, the crimson, the, the bands of Sidorak that were restricting Mordo. Uh, came loose and so he was able to attack them from behind and uh, it looks like that he has in fact yes taken Dormammu up on his offer feeling pretty good about it Dormammu takes Mordo Strange and Clea with him probably back to the Dark Dimension to celebrate his victory I mean, it's a, it's a bad place to celebrate a victory. There's, like, no good place to get drinks there. I just Oh, that's not true. I mean, there's a lot of different parts of the Dark Dimension. Like, when Clea was taking it over, we saw whole parts that had, like, cities and townsfolk and were more of sort of a generic fantasy land, which might have more, um, or, you know, land of fantasy, I suppose, that might have more of a drinking type uh, thing. But, you know, All I right. mean, yeah. Although, what does Dormammu drink? He doesn't even have, like, lips... Or like a digestive system. He's just a fireball with pants, you know? <laughs> you can tell him I said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah. The uh, the second part of this comic has a section that's called Legends and Lore of the Dark Dimension Part 3, which is basically a combination of like Jackson Grease not being able to or having trouble getting a full comics done and um, Roy Thomas sort of coming back after the Jim Shooter era and wanting to sort of uh, provide a unified field theory of all of Marvel Comics. It's a, it's a good effort, man, but just... It's I mean, a lot. Yeah, I mean, this we'll definitely see it get get crazy later in this episode. This one is the end of a three part series that's mostly just uh, doing an official background of Dormammu and um, Umar, which we which we saw in the previous episode. This time we're sort of wrapping it up, which is actually pretty decent for this episode after so much time off because it is kind of a recap of um basically Dormammu and Doctor Strange's interactions since like the early 60s essentially <laughs> we you know it starts with a quick scene of the ancient one beating Dormammu at Stonehenge and then Dormammu sort of flexing his muscles in human history he's one of the 15 different um ex- explanations Marvel has for Jack the Ripper I think 
At, at least 15. At le- yeah, it, it happens a fair amount. Um, and then it's all stuff that we've co- we've uh, covered. The, you know, Dormammu giving a young Mordo some power. The couple of times Strange and Dormammu faced off head-to-head in Strange Tales, including the times they used those magical claw wristband things to do, like, pro wrestling. Uh-huh. Um, there was that time that uh, Dormammu got too big for his britches and uh, attacked Eternity. Um, and then there was that big sequence that where, like, uh, Umar attacked, and that gave way to Zom, and then the Living Tribunal, and all those other baddies. Um, later, we get the various Dormammu fights with the Defenders, including the big, uh, Defender Avengers War. The giant Dormammu in New Mexico that was defeated by Clea and Doctor Strange teaming up with literal Mother Earth. Um, and eventually the big storyline with the overthrow of Umar to make Clea queen of the Dark Dimension, after which Dormammu returned and we're back to the present day. Right. Good, good Dormammu action. Good recapping. We're back in the saddle, buddy. Hey, <laughs> all, right. Hey. all right. Yeah, <laughs> always. All right. So that takes us to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 24 from December 1990. Do not go gently into that dark night, which, of course, a Dylan Thomas poem and not yet a uh, Independence Day reference. Anyhow, um, Roy and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Grease Penciler, Doug Hazelwook, Inker, Pat Brousseau, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, previously unconscious last issue, the rest of the Doctor Strange cast, uh, Wong, his betrothed Ime, and Rintra, the, men- the Minotaur disciple of Doctor Strange, <laughs> have all come to, and they're getting the recap from Sarah Wolf in her t-shirt skirt, when suddenly Baron Mordo reappears! Um, you know, he's here to rule Earth and stuff, I guess. But I mean, do what you do, buddy. Do what yeah. you do. Anyhow, with the recap part over, we'd go back to the Dark Dimension, where Dormammu has taken over, and he's compelling the mighty uh, Gunthic Guardian, which is this big rock, six-armed rock cyclops that's been hanging in the Dark Dimension from the very beginning, to first destroy the orange-robed Marooks, the wizards that Strange and, and Kalea rallied to get her put on the throne of the Dark Dimension during that storyline. And then do the same to Strange and Clay, basically just suck the powers out of them and stuff. The 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 thing though, Drew, all right, because you you didn't see this coming, is that when the Guardian sucks out the power of Clea and Stephen Strange, Strange also sends his consciousness into the monster and takes it over. Oh man, you're right. I didn't see that coming. That's right. Yeah, you only got one eye, like the Githank. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> this leads to a big old uh uh. Gernthic uh, Dormammu fight where sort of the Gunthink's all big and like powerful but honestly too big to kind of really land a solid punch on Dormammu and stuff but it is basically enough to you know get Clea and Dormammu out of out of Dormammu's clutches so they can sort of start the final showdown which they begin but (laughs) but but suddenly Umar and Mordo appear. They've teamed up, buddy. It's interesting because I t- this happens sort of off screen because I, I'm pretty sure we've never seen Umar and Mordo meet before. So presumably at some point, like last issue off screen, I guess, like uh, um, Umar appeared to Mordo and the two of them hashed things out. They just say like, "Hey, let's uh, team up and uh, make a let's just wreck face on uh, Dormammu." That's right. So right. basically, 
they've become like yeah. So it, now it's sort of a like everybody's willing to set their differences aside to fight Dormammu, and Dormammu realizing that it's now four of the multiverse's most powerful wizards against him. He's kind of willing to negotiate, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Um, and things actually kind of come through pretty quickly. Uh, the, the decision is that, uh, Clay has got to give up all rulership and she's exiled to Earth. And Dang. then, uh, the Dark Dimension will be split between a rulership team of Dormammu and Umar and Mordo, with Mordo being Umar's consort. Woo! <laughs> Yes, yeah, liked what he saw, I guess, in that like two minutes that they met. Anyhow, um, so Umar and Mordo are are enshrined in the black thrones of the dark dimension, and Dormammu is like, "Well, that's cool, but like, what what part do I rule?" And they're like, "Ah, you can rule the part of the dark dimension that the mindless ones live in." He's like, oh, "What? Dang. Oh man, that's the crap part of the dark dimension." But it's too late. <laughs> the worst part. And he's banished out to the crappy part of the Dark Dimension where the Mindless Ones live. And uh, Clea and Doctor Strange. Well, like, you know, there's like a quick moment like, where like, everybody kind of has a discussion at the end. Um, ba- um, basically, yeah, all the non-Dormammas are pretty stoked. Uh, Strange and Clea return to Earth as like Umar's like, yeah, like, you know, nice to meet you, daughter. I'll come by when you guys have some... Uh, like, I guess, one quarter demon uh, children and stuff. Always excited to meet, you know, parents are always excited for grandkids. And um, <laughs> Mordo. Especially demonic brood. Yeah, well, yeah, well, one quarter. I mean, well, I don't know if a phalatine is a demon, but definitely one quarter phalatine at least. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, Mordo tells Strange to, like, not apologize to Sarah Wolf, but like, it's kind of a 25% apology. Like, it's not even a, like, I'm sorry if she feels betrayed. Just like, like, I hope you can understand what I've done kind of thing. Um, and that's it, man. Good times. That's the end of the Dark Wars storyline. As, okay. uh, as Doctor Strange and Clea sort of return to New York City and like the sun rises for the first time in a while. And it's like, all right, yeah, we're free from invasion by Dormammu. That's pretty awesome. And yeah, all right, so on to on to uh, on to on to Stranger Things, um, Drew. That's what's important. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's jump ahead to Marvel Comics Presents seventy nine from June nineteen ninety one. Uh, this story is called A Nightmare on Bleecker Street. Uh, Robert Camp uh, Campanella, writer Steve Geiger, penciler Mark McKenna, inker David Sharp, letterer Joe Rosas, colorist Tom Terry, Cavanaugh, editor. Uh, Kelly Corbis, assistant editor, Tom DeFalco, editor in chief. So, as we've, as I've said before, uh, we've seen this one a couple times. Marvel Comic Presents is an anthology comic. Um, so it's got a couple different stories in one book, basically. This one has, um, a, a Wolverine Weapon X story, and then, um, uh, sorry, from Suns- uh, sorry, with Sunspot from the New Mutants and Dracula fighting Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, which sounds pretty cool, actually, just in terms of uh, World War II vampire stories, I guess. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, you know, I, I'd buy it for whatever the cost of this comic is. Um, right. So, this story here, it's a very late 80s, early 90s kind of story, um, where after seeing Nightmare on Elm Street, I guess six, uh, the, the uh, Freddy's Dead one. 
because that's right uh-huh. for the time period. Uh, Doctor, uh, you know, Doctor Strange and Sarah Wolf went to go see it. Doctor Strange wakes up in the middle of the night to see Sarah Wolf's throat slashed and the Sanctum under attack from a cheap Freddy knockoff. Now, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. You said Nightmare on Elm Street six, but that's definitely not what's going on here. Well. I mean, this is just sort of uh, inspired by it vaguely, because this guy, while he definitely has like a fedora and a messed up face, he also has an eye patch and claws on both hands and their long fingernails and not a weird pruning glove like Freddy Krueger. This one's like an Eddie or something like that. I just have to say this out loud, Conrad. Yeah. A sleepless night on Sequoia Street. I mean, it's Nightmare on Bleecker Street, buddy. That's where uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum is based. <laughs> and his name is Eddie. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyhow, um, all of Doctor Strange's attacks on Eddie are completely ineffectual, which is a bummer. Um, he, it's real, things are looking real bad until Doctor Strange realizes that this is all, in fact, a nightmare. And then, uh, Scooby-Doo's fake, uh, Eddie's face off to reveal that it's actually the nightmare himself behind it all. Oh, that guy. Oh, Whoa. man. Yeah, he would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for all these middle-aged magicians. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that was just kind of a, you know, a lot of, like... With these anthology ones, if it's not, like, a big, like, multi-part story, then they're usually just sort of these short uh, punchline ones. As we also see in our next comic, uh, Marvel Superheroes 5 from April 1991. Uh, it's called Call Waiting. Dan Mishkin writer. Vince McCarrick pencils. Chris Ivy inks. Jim Macera letterers. And Andy Yonkas colors. So... This is another anthology comic, this time in an 80-page blockbuster with stories featuring Thor, She-Hulk, The Thing, Speedball, and, of course, our buddy Doctor Strange. Speedball, no no guy more early 90s. Anyhow. Um, oh, jeez, man. Oh. A, uh, a busy la- Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. A busy lady is cooking dinner and taking care of two kids when an ad comes on the radio. Call 1-800-STRANGE if you're plagued by mystic occurrences, which she is, namely a gross sink- kitchen sink monster. Oh, man, hand, hand coming out of the sink. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's bad. It happens all the time in ghost stories and stuff. Yeah, but it's the first of many people in Mystic. Dis- dis- um, she calls the number, gets Doctor Strange right away, and she's the first of many people to call him up in Mystic distress. Luckily, um, unlike a lot of doctors, Doctor Strange is able to is a doctor who's able to fix things over the phone and just sort of does some spells into over the over the line and uh, banishes the monsters. Uh, that are, a bunch of people are experiencing, but it's still pretty annoying. Finally, Wong finds the ads on TV while he's watching General Hospital, and uh, Strange realizes that they're saying troll fee number, not tr- not toll fee, tr- toll free. So, because of this, he's able to quickly astral travel down the phone lines to settle things b- with like a crazy phone monster deep inside troll. things. Troll free, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Anyhow, he fixes it by uh, rerouting this evil phone entity straight into the IRS's um, phone lines, where there is a mystic dungeon, uh, an evil dungeon for which there is no escape. Because it's the IRS. So, you know. Wah, wah. All right. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of stories that are a little disappointing, Drew. <laughs> or... 
that are bummers in general, I suppose. Let's go to uh, Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 25 from January 1991. Uh, this story is called Always Autumn. Uh, it's got Fabian uh, Nasiza writer, Ron Lim Penciler, Manual Labor Inker. Manual Labor is, of course, a pseudonym for we just had to get a whole bunch of people to ink this thing to get it out quickly. Um, Pat Brusso, letterer, Nell Yamtov, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor in chief. Yeah, not stoked about this story, Drew, I gotta say. Um, oh, dude, I can already, I already know what's coming, and I'm yeah. thrilled. Because we've had, this is a story similar to one we've had before, where Doctor Strange sort of interacts with uh, Native American spirits. Uh. And it's real bad. Um, Native American superhero Red Wolf is investigating some murders, and it turns out they're being committed by a trio of uh, Cheyenne gods. Anyhow, they uh, kidnap him. And take him to, like, the Cheyenne spirit world or happy hunting grounds or something like that. Meanwhile, native superhero Black Crow senses this and calls in Doctor Strange for help. They retrace Red Wolf's steps in New Mexico. And Strange enters into the hunting grounds while Black Crow stays on Earth to keep investigating uh, Red Wolf's stuff. Strange finds the gods, um... Finds these gods, and they have Red Wolf and Red Wolf's personal spirit, uh, Oyo Data, um, being trapped in various sort of Native American, like, rituals. Like, I think, um, Red Wolf's being, um, 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 suspended and stuff. It's kind of rough. On Earth, uh, Black Crow goes to Red Wolf's apartment, plays with Red Wolf's, uh, pet puppy, and (laughs) then sort of does some stuff to send bonus power to Doctor Strange, who's then able to free Red Wolf. And blah, blah, blah. Basically, he manages to convince the Cheyenne gods to give up fighting and let the white man continue to rule the world because they did so in their own misguided sense of manifest destiny and progress and like their anger is just. But the time of the native gods is done and like, you know, just whatever. Go along with what the white guys say. They're cool, kind of. Oh, no. It's real tough. Conrad, no. <laughs> um, yeah. It's real grim. It's just one of these things where it's like, honestly, these gods really make good points. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's like- and it's hard to say no, but like, you know, definitely some minor Doctor Strange, a Doctor Strange fill-in comic can't turn the Marvel Universe into suddenly at war with um, a bunch of Native American gods. And it's just like both this one and the previous time we've seen this really feel like unforced errors just of um, like, oh, like, hey, we're trying to make a point here, but the point is definitely real crappy. <laughs> um, like early 90s Marvel. What are you doing, guys? Come it's on. It's real, real bad. Um, Doctor, any, uh, but things are fixed. Um, Doctor Strange and Red Wolf exchange book recommendations. Red Wolf suggests the book uh, Custer Died for Your Sins by Vine Deloria Jr., which is an important book in the uh, Red Power movement in like the late 60s. Uh, Doctor Strange recommends a fake book. <laughs> Strange flies off into the sunset, and we end on Red Wolf's civilian ide- uh, secret identity getting tossed out of a restaurant for being a Native American. So, yeah, this story basically ends on a hate crime. Good Lord. <laughs> you know? Oh. It's tough. 
Um, yep, 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 yep. Anyhow, let's get back to more sort of conventional stories. Sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme 26 from February 1991. Werewolf at the Door. Roy and Dan Thomas writers. Chris Marion Penciler. Mark McKenna Inker. Pat Brousseau Letterer. George Russo's colorist. Ralph Macchio editor. Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, a trio of hunters is moving through the snow somewhere in Colorado. They come yeah. across they come across a mutilated cow, which right. I don't know if you remember this, Drew, but I remember cat- cattle mutilation being a huge thing in the early '90s. Like if you were doing a show about like aliens or like other mystical. Uh, yeah. strange creatures such as the the chupacabra or whatnot yeah or like it was mi- all about cattle mutilation yeah mysteries that had not been solved it's just yeah. to think of a concept out of thin air um yep. you you'd get to cattle mutilation eventually for like, sure pretty quick yeah i feel like it's fallen out of favor as a thing recently just because i think it's mostly been shown to be like yeah no it's wolves and then just kind of the cow the uh the cow rots it's like whatever but uh whatever you know um anyhow after passing a mutilated cow the hunt come across the werewolf by night and they're prepared because they shoot the beast with silver bullets luckily our hero the werewolf is able to run he jumps a ravine and escapes to safety for now oh yes totally meanwhile back at the sanctum uh clea is still pretty like unhappy about the whole like you know, having been queen and then being exiled by your evil mom and her new boyfriend and stuff. Um, Yo, you know. dude, if that if that happened to you, be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a situation that many of us in our in the modern families of the 21st century can empathize with. <laughs> <laughs> um, Strange and Rintrush are talking behind her back, and she says she's okay, but there she's interrupted by the return of Topaz. So. You may remember Topaz from a couple other stories, Drew. I think the yes. last, yeah, the last time we saw her was in uh, that big satanish Mephisto fight back in uh, Sorcerer Supreme number eight. But she's uh-huh. been kind of around. She sort of is a refugee from other uh, doctors from other uh, Marvel horror comics, and she's right. got like empath abilities and other things like that. I think she yeah. like crawled out of hell when Franklin Richards was there one time. It was kind of crazy. But yeah, any- that was a weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyhow, she's back. She's been wandering around the earth and has, um, at an Italian castle, became possessed by the demon Ulicumis. Oh, no. Ulicumis, uh, brother of the star of that 70s show and Jupiter Ascending. Anyhow, uh, there she's found... Mila Kunis? No, Uli Kumis. Oh, right. Okay, right, <laughs> there, right, right. She's found a spell to free her from the demon's grasp, but to do so, she needs three things. Okay. The fire from a demon. All right. The talon of a vampire in bat form. Okay. And the fur from a werewolf. So, okay. Now, you know, your average day, the, these would be difficult things to find. Sure, but, but this is... This is Doctor Strange we're talking about here. And like Topaz, you know, like somebody who's shown up at someone's doorstep asking for a pretty big favor, she's done the legwork ahead of time for the most part so that things are a little bit easier. She's found newspaper clippings of a werewolf sighting in Colorado and of the reports of the new ghost writer somewhere in the New York area. All we need now is a vampire, and as it happens, Doctor Strange happens to have an in with a vampire, namely his brother, Vincent Strange, a.k.a. Baron Blood. Oh, God. That name is 
bad. And his bad te- name. terrible costume with the giant ears and stuff. It's a bad <laughs> it's a bad name for a vampire. It's bad in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, you know, um Strange agrees to help, but not before he magically just knocks Clea out and ditches her in her room for a few hours. Which is bo- <laughs> which is BS, because Clea's been is seems to be pretty powerful even without like the flames of regency from the dark dimension and stuff. She's definitely like one of the top people, you know, of the people in the current Doctor Strange uh, crew. Like, I feel like she's at least as powerful, if not more powerful than Rintra, but whatever, dude. Um, so Clay is uh, stashed. And uh, Strange then calls his brother, but he appears to be out of town. So we'll have to figure out the the, uh, the vampire bat thing at a later date. Anyhow, so, uh, but since Topaz has a lead on uh, Jack Russell, the werewolf by night. That's right. <laughs> his name's Jack Russell. because He's a dog man. Um, that's, that's also a bad name. <laughs> uh, um, they're going to head out. So they quick... Um, Although also Doctor Strange takes a moment here to knock out Topaz and magically uh, verify his verify her story and not sort of trusting her. Doctor Strange having trouble with dames this this comic. I'm not going to lie to you. How are you going to knock all the ladies out, man? What's, He's what's doing, your deal? What's going doing, on? Knocking out a lot of ladies, not trusting in their abilities or stories. Not a uh, good look. Not a good look. It's not a good look. <laughs> so... Once she comes back too, though, we teleport to Colorado to get the werewolf fur from the werewolf. They arrive among some cows. And after a joke from Topaz, uh, we are, we're reminded that despite being a big green minotaur, uh, Rintra prefers human ladies, including Topaz, as we saw way back in, uh, like, I think, Sorcerer Supreme 6, when Topaz, uh, like, sexually stripped and Drintra was way into it, as per- was probably clear because he's a big naked minotaur. Uh, and, and it's gross. It's all gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyhow, the herd gets spooked, and Rintra and the werewolf have your standard sort of comic book pre-team-up misunderstanding fight, as we've seen so many times before. Ah uh, yes, the the versus uh, showdown. That's right, yeah, or the uh, the uh, two and one pre-fight. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. uh, so Jack Russell gets human get uh, humans up. He basically explains what's been happening to him in various uh, like side comics. Actually, he had a big thing in Marvel Comics Presents, as I re- as I recall, of just sort of some off-screen some sort of some off the main timeline uh, character development. Basically, he sort of m- integrated his werewolf abilities, and that's. But he's basically like a Grey Hulk werewolf, is what I want to say, Drew. <laughs> like, no, that he, makes sense. Yeah, he, no, yeah, he's, that's, he's that's not, legit. Yeah, he's not like an unreasoning, like a uh, monster werewolf. He's a werewolf that can think and talk, and is basically just Jack Russell in a more furry form. <laughs> that guy's no, name he, is Jack he, Russell. <laughs> he gets all the the rad benefits of being a werewolf without you know like being all crazy and. Yeah, Stop. as a side effect, he's got big old like uh, crazy bad ears on his uh, wolf form. Like, no, I would say that he he's more akin to the uh, teen wolf werewolf, if you will. Ooh, yes, yes, exactly. Although we don't see his basketball skills, presumably they're they are quite good because where because wolves are good at basketball. We learned that from Airbud. Anyhow, absolutely, yep. <laughs> He came here to investigate those cattle mutilations that we all heard about when he was attacked by those uh, hunters. And indeed, now our crew is attacked by the hunters as well. Rather than putting down their guns to Doctor Strange's magical threats, instead they get gun-butted all uh, to unconsciousness like crazy. 
that's wow that's a lot jeez yeah suddenly a whole bunch of dudes show up and they all just knock out our heroes and things go from bad to worse when the hunters reveal themselves and that the they're being controlled by the possessors oh no uh, oh yeah oh. Possessors, they're these alien weirdos that no one seed hide nor hair of since Doctor Strange beat them all the way back in Strange Tales number 118, which was on the very first episode of this podcast. Oh, man, these guys again. I mean, to be fair, it was they were here one time and it was like literally 28 years ago. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow. That's where we end tonight. What's going to happen with these possessors? And we finish up this issue with another uh, Book of the Vishanti things. This time, Legacy of the Wolf Part 1. Roy Thomas and RJM Lots for writers. Jeff Isherwood, artist. Gene Simic, letterer. Neil Yomtov, colorist. And this one's crazy with backstory. It's basically an attempt at a unified theory of all werewolves and wolf-adjacent characters in the Marvel Universe. Good good on you, Marvel. Just keep keep working on it it's got like it's the celestials and arcturians basically ancient aliens like stealing wolves and adding human parts to them as part of like ancient mystic extraterrestrial weirdness i think i i I think i see like like call in there too just in terms of like other like time before time marvel characters and stuff no, it's it's a standard mo of like visiting aliens come in, mess with like some genetic diversity, and call it a call it a day. I mean, this is one of those things where I'm 100 percent positive that none of this is made from whole cloth. It's all based <laughs> on previous flashbacks and like other weird things that have happened in Marvel's past. But it's one of those things where like when you read the Wikipedia and ent- like like a Wikipedia entry for like a character on a long running television show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you read like the, the 20 years in the life of a sick of us of a soap opera star or like um, just arrange all the different cases that like a cop on Law and Order SVU has had over the past like 10 years or something. And yeah. it just it becomes it really strains incredulity to see it all at once. <laughs> And just sort of think about, like, how that compares to how actual history works and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Ah, good times. You know, where it's like, whoa, so, like, you've been kidnapped, like, 15 times in the last year? Like, that's tough, you know? (laughs) Maybe maybe consider a new line of work, man. Like, most cops get held hostage by criminals, like, once in their their career. You've had it happen, like... Yeah, you do it, like, you know... Yeah. Once every, and, uh, twice a month. Exactly. Jeez. Yeah. And so this is one of those things too, where like, I'm sure in, in a vacuum, like hearing a Thor story and about like the ancient celestials that Thor's fought or something like that kind of works. But when you put it all together with Arcturians, with, uh, with Cole, with God knows what else, it, uh, it adds up. Right. <laughs> in terms of like, I'm buying this kind of things, but still good effort. I'm excited to see where it goes. And with that, Drew, we finished the comics for this, The Return of Stranger by the Dozen. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I think for... uh, I want to sort of institute a new thing where we just take a second and sort of talk about these comics a little bit and sort of as a... As an aid to conversation, I guess I I would like to know what your favorite part of this episode was. Like if there's a specific story or just even a part of a story or something like that that you thought was pretty cool. Uh, Like... I find it pretty incredible that, like, uh, Clea's mom and 
and uh, Mordo just kind of hooked up, like just like that. Yeah, love at first sight, I guess. Like off screen or whatever. It's it, it feels like there's a lot more to that story, but I guess we're never going to know ever. I'd watch the wacky sitcom about um, newlywed uh, Mordo and Umar, like trying I would to watch, try, I would watch that show. trying to rule a uh, fractious dark dimension with um, with Dormammu as their jerk neighbor in the uh, in the uh, mindless one territory. Just, just being like you know Umar being like Mordo, did you track uh, mud into the dark dimension again? And then you cue the canned laughter, and it's just, it's good times for everyone. It's like, uh oh. Uh oh. Umar and Mordo living together. Anyhow, um, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> awesome. Um, I really liked, there's a couple points in the first two comics where either, like, Doctor Strange and Cleo like fly up to like to attack Mordo and you see them like just as these like little figures against the giant Dormammu with like little like shields around them and stuff and I think that's a really neat imagery and stuff. Um, it's definitely defining like how large Dormammu is at that point. Yeah, and and then also like there's that moment where they're like about to have the big showdown, and then there's that voice from behind them like hold on a minute, <laughs> and it's like whoa, like Omar's here too. That's crazy. Um, both those are real cool. I'll also say that I really like it. You know, it's gross, but I really like that uh, curse where uh, Clea and Doctor Strange have to occupy the same space, and they're all grossly inside of each other. You know, that, it's, that's it's fun gross, too. but it's cool looking at the same time. It's a really awesome effect. Yeah, it's a fun just art thing. Yeah, cool. All right, awesome. Now let's try to keep doing this going forward, just to have some sort of wrap ups and find some positivity in this. I don't know. It's actually kind of a relatively dark Doctor Strange period, so it's good Man, to it's, find it's, find it's what early nineties Strange. I'm not expecting all that much from it. You know, it's bad for all comics, honestly, except for the upcoming Infinity Gauntlet, I suppose. But anyhow, you can find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or any fine podcast app. You can contact our show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, at strangerbythe12, on Facebook or Instagram by searching for strangerbythedozen. Uh, I'll try to post images and quotes from the issues covered this week so you can keep an eye out and see what we're talking about. Stranger, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Tune in next week as the rematch with the Possessors rolls on. The quest with Topaz will take us to the pages of the new Ghost Rider, which will in turn lead us to another showdown with a bunch of demons, as well as the return of Baron Blood and Mephista, daughter of Mephisto. Until then, faithful listener, I say... As long as the Dread Dormammu exists in the multiverse, the future fates of both the Earth and the Dark Dimension will ever be in doubt. Earth Sorcerer Supreme, whoever he must be, must stand ever vigilant at the gateway between worlds. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, may the Vishanti guide your path! <laughs> <laughs>